there's a good analogy. It's like a push and a pull. So a push is anything that you're doing outbound, right? Cold calls, LinkedIn messages, messaging people on social media. You are pushing out a message and hoping to get interest, right? Pull is content, right? YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You're pulling in interest, right? You're putting something out into the ecosystem, hoping people watch it, resonate, come into your ecosystem, right? So you need to have both. Paid advertising is also a pool, right? You're pulling people into your, your sales funnel. So you need to have both of those if you really, really want to scale, right? Because it's good, but one's expensive, right? Creating content takes a lot of time, energy, effort. You know, paid advertising is expensive. Um, so you want to have a push and a pull to make sure that you're capturing more of the market share. Thank you so much for clicking on this episode of the Millennial Entrepreneur. The ambition of the podcast is to show relatable stories from young entrepreneurs doing some incredible things to inspire the next generation, including you listening wherever you are. We've been doing this podcast for over three years and the ambition has not changed. The only thing that has changed is the scale of where we want to go. We want to bring on bigger guests for you guys to show more and more relatable and inspiring stories from young entrepreneurs across the world. The majority of you guys listening haven't subscribed to the podcast yet. All you have to do is click that subscribe button wherever you're listening on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and that will allow us to bring on big guests and ask the questions to them that you really want to hear. And it really is that simple. So thank you again for clicking on the podcast and enjoy the episode. Dylan, welcome to the podcast. How are you? How are you doing, brother? Good to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on. We have a lot of business owners and aspiring business owners uh, who are, you know, listening to this episode, listening to the, the, the mental entrepreneur. And I know for a fact, many either are starting out doing sales or struggle with sales, especially if like you're the CEO of a company, you might not have had formal sales training. You might not come from a sales background. You might be a technical CEO, which a lot of people are. So it's a real challenge for some people. And so, yeah, I would love to delve into delve into that. But I guess uh, before we kick off, um, where did it all start for you in terms of a sales background? Yeah, so it started my final year of college or, or university, um, as you guys call it over the pond there. Yeah. But um, yeah, my senior year, um, I did an internship for marketing, actually. So I have a I have a degree in graphic design and marketing. So I came into a business. We did like the website redesign, logo redesign. I was kind of there part time as a like an internship. Um, my dad is an entrepreneur and a salesperson through and through my whole life. So I always kind of had like a, a sales muscle. Um, I noticed in their business they were just relationship sellers. So they had their book. They would renew people and that's just kind of how it went. They just maintain relationships. Mm -hmm. They didn't really hunt new business. So I went to the business owner, uh, Mike, and I was like, hey, like, you know, I'm not really doing too much. <laughs> I already did your website and a bunch of this stuff. I don't really have anything to do. Um, maybe I should go like find new businesses for you guys to work with. And he was like, really? I was like, yeah. So I, uh, I asked two of my buddies from college and we used to do door knocking. So we used to go to office buildings, oh, door ride to the door. elevator, yeah, door to door, um, collect business cards, then go back into the office and call those leads and set appointments. So kind of, I guess I created my first sales job, <laughs> um, but I did door to door. That was fun, but I graduated and then I went on a selling cars for about six months. And then I ventured into New York City, uh, did software startup, like SaaS type sales. 
Um, I started as like an SDR, 200 dials a day, boiler room, just, you know, churning out dials, um, moved my way up the ranks, went through a couple different companies, as you probably know, in the startups and a lot of people listening, startups is, is a volatile world. So I've been through some acquisitions where, you know, a drop of a hat, everyone's without a job. So yeah. <laughs> I've had the ups and downs of a SaaS. I've been a SDR, an account executive, a manager, and a director of sales. And then 2019, I think at this point, 2020, um, right, right around COVID time, uh, I took the leap of faith into entrepreneurship. I, I actually joined a mastermind group called Wake Up Wealthy. It's a, it's a men's group for entrepreneurs. At the time, I was still you know, a nine to five salesperson, but I was kind of just looking for more in my life, a little bit more fulfillment because with sales, once you hit kind of a certain echelon of like a director or manager type, there's not too much more ascension. It's like CRO and then CEO, right? Um, so I was kind of at a glass ceiling there, realized that the skills that I've learned over the last you know 10 years um, would translate pretty well into entrepreneurship and started the LLC, did it on the side. And then I, uh, you know, recouped my salary and then quit, went all in. That was two and a half years ago now. So and yeah. that was with the, that's with the current business automated revenue. Correct. Yep. What were you doing at first then? You were doing, uh, it was a SaaS product at first. Yeah. So it was kind of like, like a managed outsourced lead generation offer when we first started. Um, the way we pitched it was like, it's funny now that our business model is what it is. It's like the exact adverse of it, the original offer. Um, we were like, instead of hiring an SDR, hire us and we'll do the output of three SDRs with, you know, one flat fee, you know, W2s. <laughs> now we train SDRs and, you know, place SDRs inside a company. So it's funny, you know, as an entrepreneur, your offer is always not always permanent yeah, and yeah. It's, just quickly you know, the SDR stands for the sales development re representative right just yeah an appointment setter cold caller sdr yeah, yeah. yeah all the same type of role but it's funny now that i'm saying this out loud is originally we sold against what we sell now <laughs> <laughs> that's such a weird lesson to learn it's like <laughs> yeah. why did you why did you decide to pivot the other direction yeah so i guess the biggest lesson you know over the last two and a half years in regards to like building an offer and doing, you know, client acquisition is a mentor of mine. He said, instead of building a box and then telling people to come into the box, the box is the offer, right? So you build something and then you need to attract people to your offer, right? That's what we were doing. People were talking to us on sales calls, our clients, like, hey, can we just hire the SDRs that are working on our account? Hey. Can I hire these people? Hey, can I bring this in-house? Hey, I'm like, all right, I keep hearing this. Maybe this is what the market wants. So mm. instead of building the box and asking people to come to it, we just built the box around where the where the market was already and pivoted our offer to you know appease what people truly wanted to pay for. Because you know, as a business, you probably have agencies and vendors that you work with. And over time, your ultimate goal is to bring everything in-house, right? That builds your enterprise value. That's if you're looking to get acquired as a SaaS company, you need to have everything in-house that you own. So long-term, we decided to be the long-term solution, not the short-term solution. Mm. So what's the so, business set up now? Like what's the, what was the pivot? 
Yeah. So I have a business partner. His name is Jake. We have this pretty much almost identical backgrounds. Um, his like zone of genius is training salespeople. My zone of genius is like sales and marketing. So he's the one that trains our people to become very good appointment setters and SDRs. Mm -hmm. And then we work directly with businesses who are looking to hire salespeople. You know, if you've ever hired a, an employee in general, right, it's a pretty, pretty hard task, right? It takes a lot of time, energy and effort to go through resumes and interview and then hire and then train and then there's no guarantee they stick around. Mm -hmm. So there's a big kind of, you know, solution that we provide for is we train them ourselves. So they're ready to rock and roll once you hire them. And we continually train them after you hire. So we're sales trainers, and then people hire our salespeople directly from us. Mm, that sounds really cool. And I guess uh, this is where I want to go in go into now is that so the the types of businesses that you go after, what are they like? Who are they primarily? Yeah. So very much B two B, right? Yeah. Um, any company that has good product market fit, they know who they're looking to conduct business with, and they just need competent trained salespeople to be able to hit the phones, go out, find net new business, mm. bring it into the, the sales funnel, and ultimately create more opportunities for the business to close. Mm. So, I mean, we work with SaaS companies, we work with real estate, we work with consultants, um, high ticket, like coaching programs, a lot of people who run advertisements are a really good fit for us as well. Mm. So now, Dylan, I really want to talk about, I guess, the sales cycle and give people tangible advice when it comes to this, because I know a lot of people listening want to brush up on sales skills um, from someone who's so seasoned and also trains people on a day to day basis. I think you'll be yeah. the best place to talk about this. Yeah. So when it comes to the sales cycle, even the sales cycle as a concept might be a very alien thing for some people. It's like, how do you yeah. construct that? Yeah. So just understanding the steps in which someone needs to take to be able to purchase your product or your service, mm -hmm. right? So the biggest thing is market research and truly understanding what it is that your product and service solves for, and then get a good understanding of who from like a title perspective, right? If you're selling marketing services, you want to talk to people like CMOs and marketing directors. If you're selling a sales platform, director of sales, CRO, right? So truly understanding before you start to bring something to market is understand what it is that you do and solve for. And then you target the pain points in which your product solves for, right? Mm. So for mine, right? A lot of companies, they have trouble predictively booking, you know, five to 10 meetings per day for their sales team, or they're booking a bunch of calls they don't show up or they're unqualified. Those are like the two biggest sticking points for us. So that's all of our marketing messages. Everything that we say from a content perspective, an outbound marketing perspective, you know, podcasts, things like this, is all talking about the same messaging to bring people into the funnel, right? So your funnel should be pretty open on the top, bringing people into your ecosystem, lead magnets, your website, having an ability for people to reach out to you for more information. And then that's where the sales team comes into play. You have someone who talks to that person, that's an SDR, an appointment setter, who has that initial conversation, you know, understands their business. If they're a good fit, if they're a good fit, then they would book it for like a demo or a discovery call or a sales call. And then ultimately closing that business. And then obviously there's the whole 
more fun part of business, which is operations, fulfillment, you know, churn, LTV, mm. and, um, you know, renewals and things like that. But mm. I mean, from a sales perspective, it's really just getting as much eyeballs as possible is really the, the best way to, to scale a business. I guess let's start at the top of the funnel then, Dylan. Yeah. So like when it comes to generating a lead and you talked about the different ways you can do that, obviously like the lead magnets, magnets and stuff like that. And you talked about, you need to determine, I guess, like what your product actually solves and who within the company, if you're doing B2B, is the one that would buy so that, that product or service. Yeah. So I guess like very simply like generating a lead, like how would you, how would you go about doing that? Yeah, so... It's a, it's a good analogy. It's like a push and a pull. So a push is anything that you're doing outbound, right? Cold calls, LinkedIn messages, messaging people on social media. You are pushing out a message and hoping to get interest, right? Pull is content, right? YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You're pulling in interest, right? You're putting something out into the ecosystem hoping people watch it resonate, come into your ecosystem, right? So you need to have both paid advertising is also a pool, right? You're pulling people into your, your sales funnel. So you need to have both of those if you really, really want to scale, right? Because it's good, but one's expensive, right? Creating content takes a lot of time, energy, effort, you know, paid advertising is expensive. Um, so you want to have a push and a pull to make sure that you're capturing more of the market share. Mm. That... I'm really interested here because the the pull stuff, a lot of people put a lot of emphasis behind that. So creating good content and uh, just constantly sort of like putting stuff out there makes sense. And a lot of people say a lot of good things. The other side of things where you say, you know, push and like messaging people on LinkedIn, messaging people on Instagram and stuff like that. E cold email, cold another email. one, great one. Yeah. I guess uh, what determines whether that's successful? Because a lot of people are the recipients of that. And they're yeah. like, this would never work because they ignore a lot of it. So I guess yeah. like what makes a good push tactic? Yeah, um, it really comes from like I was mentioning before is like understanding your market, right? Being able to very cleanly and concisely say what it is that you do and how you help people just like the people you're reaching out to. So making the message relevant for the people that you're reaching out to, right? So if you're reaching out to like what we call as a champion, right? Someone who doesn't sign on the dotted line, but the person who would see the most benefit of what you do, right? So if you're selling like a, a SaaS, right? The person who's gonna be the end user and is gonna love your software is probably not also going to be the person that's gonna buy it. So depending on who you're reaching out to, you have to curtail your message to what's important to that individual and their job responsibilities in that mm. company. Yeah, that's an interesting thing here. So when it comes to the relevant person, yeah, because I've had this within my business as well, would, do you go after the person who's got the budget and would pay for it, or do you go after the person that would actually use the software or the product? Both. Both. With different and messaging the, whole, or the same messaging? Different messaging, right? Because different, they're looking for different things, right? So if you're reaching out to the person who's the decision maker, talking about how it's going to save the company money, it's going to save them time or gain them back time. If you're talking to the end user, what are the problems that they're seeing that your, your SaaS, right, directly solves for, right? Um, really, the goal of like push strategy is just to get a response, 
right? You're not gonna sell somebody on a cold email. They're not gonna be like, oh yeah, here's my credit card, right? Your job is to just get an open line of communication started where a lot of people get that wrong, right? Like here, here's my calendar link, right? Super impersonal. Hey, do you want some more information? Hey, can I send you over a video of how our software would do XX and X in your business? Are you open to seeing that? Mm -hmm. Like a soft call to action to just get someone to say, hey, this sounds interesting. And then that's where it's the sales team's prerogative to turn that general interest into an appointment, into a closed deal. Mm. I was going to talk about that as well. So what would make a good call to action? Yeah. Um, like interested. Are you against learning more? Make it a no. Rather Do you want to see it? Yeah. Are you interested in seeing some case studies? Hey, I just, you know, created this thing, this asset, right? A sales asset, right? So we use a software called Gamma. It's like Google Docs with AI, but you can embed videos and embed content there. Hey, I just created this document showing how marketing agencies are able to decrease their return on ad or increase their return on ad spend and decrease their ad spend. Mind if I share that with you? Or hey, I just recorded a video top to bottom on how this thing works. Do you want to see it? So just getting somebody where they will have to book a call, mm -hmm. right? And give so, you their time. So that's a common mistake that people make is that they just put their calendar link at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they don't put a call to action at all. I've seen people do that as well. <laughs> That's the worst. Yeah. The <laughs> worst case scenario, send your calendar link. Best case scenario, a soft call to action to just mm -hmm. get a response. That's interesting. Okay. That's interesting. Um, and then, so once you do set up a call with them or, you know, when they are a bit further down in the funnel, you create that dialogue. Um, I guess, how do you close? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's a holistic view, right? It starts at the top of the funnel, the close starts there, right? Because the messaging needs to be aligned, right? What you say in a YouTube video has to be aligned with what you do. So when they're on the call, the idea is that all of the assets, all of the things that you have out there for them to see your website, your content, what you send them before the call, it's all prepping them and eliminating objections before that sales call. A sales call, like you said, a lot of people like technical founders, it's kind of scary. At the end of the day, sales is just two human beings having a conversation, plainly, right? So if you're having a conversation, you're just genuinely vested and interested in what their business does, and then asking very poignant, intentional questions to uncover specific information, to be able to use that information to with your solution solves for. So making sure that they commit to a pain point. This is a problem in my business. If this was solved, this would happen. We'd be able to make more money if this didn't happen. So then you use that information like, oh, well, we would do this, this, and this, mm. solve for that. And then you build a business case. What are the biggest mistakes you've seen people make on those initial calls? Um, Like an initial like sales call? Yeah. Selling too early, um, talking about them, right? Big thing I see technical founders do is it's their product, right? They're so into the product. It's all they eat, sleep, and breathe. But at the end of the day, no one truly cares what who you are, what you do. People only care about what can you do for them and their business. So making the pitch around them and the results that they'll see by working with you or using your service that's where you win.
Mm. Oh, we are featured in this and we do this and we're so cool. Like no one truly cares, right? Make it about them. You'll close a lot more business. That's interesting. So you make it more about them. So I guess the next question would be, how do you ask the best questions in order to get all that information? Yeah, it's never the same. You can't really script it, right? It's got to be, like I said, it's two human beings having a conversation. You need to have a conversation, right? So taking in the information that you're receiving, being able to think on your feet and then curtailing that and making it a line of questioning, right? So you don't want to just interview them. Hey, how many employees do you have? Okay, cool. And then this. Okay, cool. Like you're not just doing a checklist. You're actually having a conversation where you're taking information and asking questions based on the information you're receiving. Mm. Okay, so you've asked all these questions. You discover more about the business. You've realized that, yeah, it's a good fit. Like your product's a good fit for them and their, and their business. How do you actually get them to part with their money? Yeah, well, you have to build a business case, right? So let's say, let's say we're selling Calendly, right? Mm. really easy SaaS to do. Okay. Well, what happens? You have to manually book an appointment, right? Understanding the pain points around manually booking an appointment, going back and forth on time, maybe, you know, losing on appointments that you might have. Well, what our software would do is be able to increase the amount of bookings by this percentage and this percentage. Okay. How many appointments does it take for you to close a deal? 10. Okay, well, if we increase your meeting booking percentage by 50%, what you're telling me is you'd close 1.5 extra deals every week. That would be X number of revenue for your business. Mm. It costs this. So are you willing to spend this to make this? Mm. I guess that last question is vital, right? Like, would you be mm -hmm. willing to spend this to get this? Yeah. yeah, just making it, you know, plain black and white. If you use this, you'll see this, which will benefit your business in X way. Yeah, I think a mistake that I've seen a lot of people make is that at the end of the call, like towards the end of it, they just say, I'll just send you more information. Or they don't, I don't think they, they don't ask them around like, would you be willing to actually spend on this? Yeah. Yeah. You, I mean, you're never going to get what you don't ask for. Mm. No one's going to, no prospect or most prospects aren't going to be like, yeah, I'm ready. Like you got to ask for the sale. Now, what about this then? So, okay, you've got to that stage there. They said yes, or they said they'll think about it. So the call ends. What's the, what are the extra touch points there on in? Well, before you end the call, what are you thinking about, right? What is going into your decision-making process? Is this something that you have the ability to sign off on? Do you have the budget for this? What is your timeline on getting something implemented? like understanding those things. And really the only objections in a sales call that you should ever get is price. If you've done your sales call correctly, right? Your job in a sales call is to dispel all of their objections, their skepticisms and curiosities to where only price would be the factor for them to not to move forward. And if it's not gonna close on that call, always booking another call or a next defined step. Don't just leave it open-ended. Mm. On on the actual call itself. Correct. Yeah, that's that's one I've not heard before, but that makes it makes a ton of sense because otherwise yeah. you might you might lose the interest very quickly. Yeah, you got to strike when the iron's hot. Yeah, yeah. 
And then what if um, they want to take time to think about it, I guess? Like, what are your email touch points on there on it? What's the communication lines? Yeah. So obviously defining like when they're thinking about making a decision or what are the things that need to be done from now to then to be able to make a decision, understanding what those are and then using those things in the follow-up, right? So I had a call yesterday with the company. There, there had no objections, but they're in the process of acquiring another business. That is something that I can't overcome, right? That is something that takes all of their time, energy, and focus. It's a totally good objection. And I did not fight it at all because there's no reason to fight that. But when are you going to be able, when is this acquisition going to take place? When are you going to have the time and energy and bandwidth to be able to explore what we do? And then we set a defined timeline. I said, hey, is there anything that you need from me between now and December to make a decision? Yeah. Can you guys send me a video on this thing? I recorded the video. I sent that over and then I put a task in our CRM to follow up a month before they told us to just to see if something changed or, you know, just keeping alignment with that timeline. Mm, that seems really interesting. Okay, cool. And I guess like to close off the podcast, Dylan, I know like this has been a real crash course in, in the whole, <laughs> the whole funnel, like the top funnel all the way to closing. Yeah. I guess, um, I know you, you teach a lot of people when it comes to sales. What's the, I know I've already asked a similar question here, but what's the biggest mistake I guess you've seen generally sure. when it comes right. to sales? Um, I think it's mine, like from a salesperson or a business owner? From a salesperson. Salesperson, I think a lot of it comes down to mindset, right? And how you approach sales and the way in which you can conduct sales over a long period of time requires a good positive mindset about what you do and how you do it. Because ultimately how you show up on that sales call, your energy, your tonality, your confidence, your conviction, all of those play much bigger factor than like what you say on that call. It's more so how you say it, the delivery of what you're saying. Mm. Yeah, that's an amazing way to end the podcast, I think. Like, yeah, it's, it's very much about mindset. It's very much about confidence for sure. Um, because if, if they get the incl inclination that you don't believe in the product that you're selling, then they're, they're not dead. going to be dead in the water. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. Dylan, it's been such a pleasure having you on the podcast talk about all things sales. Um, how can people stay in touch with you and what you're doing? Yeah, so I'm branded as the STR Whisperer across everything. So if you Google the STR Whisperer, you can find my YouTube, my Twitter, my Instagram. Um, if you're looking to hire a salesperson from us, it's hireappointmentsetters.com. If you're a salesperson or a business owner who just wants to refine their sales skills, it's the STR Whisperer. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on and uh, I'm sure we'll chat very soon. Thank you. Thank you, sir.